but the last days. Now, a lot of times when, we, when you hear the term the last days, you may think of a movie, you know, the end of days or, or um, you know, one of those catastrophic movies that they put out. You may think about uh, Revelation. You may think of, if you've read the book, uh, Left Behind, left, read the series Left Behind by Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins. You may think of the last days as that. But what I want to talk to you about is what Joel said in Joel chapter 2. And that what I wanted to bring to you before we read that scripture, what I want to bring to you is uh, an excerpt from a book by Donald Miller. Now, I have not read this whole book, so I'm not going to attest to the veracity and the authentic, uh, authenticity of the book biblically. I said three words there that just confused me. I hope it didn't confuse you. But I, I, I don't know the book, and so, um, so I don't want to, but I, there is something that he, he talked about on worship. Now, Donald Miller was a man who grew up in an evangelical church and almost left God and the church in the process, okay? Uh, he, he, he did what we call, he got close to backsliding is what a lot of us like to call it, where you leave God even though you know who he is. And in his book, he was talking, he talked about worship. This, this book is from a number of years ago. Here's, something, here's some of the stuff he said. He said, too much of our time is spent trying to chart God on a grid, and too little is spent allowing our hearts to feel awe, A-W-E, awe. By reducing Christian spirituality to a formula, we deprive our hearts of wonder. I want to tell you something about me that you may, you may see as a weakness. I need wonder. I know that death is coming. I smell it in the wind, read it in the paper, watch it on television, and see it on the faces of the old. I need wonder to explain what is going to happen to me, what is going to happen to us when this thing is done, when our shift is over and our kids' kids are still on earth listening to their crazy rap music. I need something mysterious to happen after I die. I need to be somewhere else after I die, somewhere with God, somewhere that wouldn't make any sense if it were explained to me right now. You know, it's so true. The Bible says that, that no eye has seen or ear has heard what he has set up in store for us in heaven. When we get there, it is going to be a wonder. We're going to be amazed. But I like what he said here. It's something that we should think about, and we look in the news constantly about death. We see people dying all around us, and some of them are untimely, meaning that they are too young. Why so young a death? Why have we seen these kids uh, uh, killed in, in horrific shootings or an abortion or you name it? Why are we seeing so much death around us? But we see it in everybody. No matter what your age, death is there. It's right there. But he says he needs to see something. He needs to feel something. He needs to notice something totally different, and he needs to see the wonder and awe of God. He continues on. He says, I love how the Gospels start with John the Baptist eating bugs and baptizing people. And for those of you who hadn't read this, yes, John the Baptist ate bugs, and he baptized people. Now, if I baptize you, I'm not eating bugs beforehand, okay? That's not what I'm going to do. So don't come to me and say, hey, pastor, will you baptize me? And here's you some cockroaches. No, I don't think so. No, <clears throat> no lucucaracha. <laughs> oh, might be the only Spanish word I know, you know. <laughs> the religious people started getting baptized because it had become popular. And John yells, and this is in the scriptures, and John yells at them and calls them snakes. He says the water won't do anything for them. It will only get their snake skins wet. 
But if they meant it, if they had faith that Jesus was coming and was real, then Jesus would ignite the kingdom of life within them. I love that because for so long, religion was my false gospel. But there was no magic in it, no wonder, no awe, no kingdom life burning in my chest. And when I get tempted by the same stupid Christian religion, I go back to the beginning of the Gospels and I am confronted that there is something more than the emptiness of ritual. God will ignite the kingdom life within me. The Bible says that, Mystic says that. Uh, it isn't a formula that I'm trying to figure out. It is something God does. And, you know, I want to say to you this morning that ritual is not always a bad thing. But ritual in and of itself is not what you need when it comes to God. Because whatever situation that you're in doesn't mean it's going to be the same as the situation that was the day before. You need to be prepared to allow God to move in your life to an extent that you can do what he needs you to do at that moment, not what was yesterday. Okay, so yesterday was Saturday. And just go back and think, where were you yesterday? What was going on today? Today you're here in church. You know, you could say, well, we go to church on Sunday mornings, and we go to church at this time, and the kids do this, and then afterwards we go do this, that, and the other. But the question is when we come in and we sing songs like, it's just you and me here now, Lord. It's just you and me here. Do we really mean it's just you and me, God? Is that what we really mean? Or do we mean, well, God, it's a good song to sing right now. But you know what? I'm thinking about what I'm going to be doing later, what I'm going to be watching, what I'm going to be eating, what I'm going to be working on later. I'm thinking about what's going to happen this week. Are we really saying, God, it's just you and me here now? God, I need awe and wonder in my life. I need something that transforms me today. I've told you this before. I've told many of you this before. I was a part of a youth group uh, back in the day. I was, I was about 18 years old, and I, I led their worship back then. And we would have a worship service on Friday nights, and we would come together, and what would happen, well, I'll tell you what happened. Let me tell you the story. We were coming together on, excuse me, on a Saturday night, and we'd have volleyball, and we'd have games, and we'd have all this kind of stuff. We had a few youth that were coming. It was a little small church. It was in a, it was in a one-horse town, you know, one of those that's got just one flashing light just so you don't run over somebody as you go through the four-way, you know, in case somebody's crossing the street at a diagonal instead of, you know, instead of like they should. That's all it was there for. But it was this, it was this, this youth group, we came together. Well, we went to a revival down in Pensacola, Florida, uh, the Pensacola outpouring in, at, at Brownsville Assembly of God in Pensacola, Florida. And man, the Lord just touched the youth pastor. He touched me. We come back and we said, no more are we going to have fun and games. Now, I'm not against fun and games, okay? Hey, if, if you like to play some games on, on, on Xbox or PlayStation, more power to you. If you like to play board games or card games, more power to you. But what I'm saying is this. We came back and we said, you know what? We want to get closer to God because these young people were in houses and they were living, uh, living under parents that were divorced, that were living with their girlfriend and boyfriend, that were on drugs, that were on alcohol. They were living in trailers that, where they had no money and were saying, wait a minute, these fun and games, this is great. This is good, but what can God do in their lives? And so what we began to do, we said, you know what? Let's just have a preaching and a worship service. So we began out, we began, we started with a worship service on Saturday night, and the worship service would just go on and on. And the kids would come into the altars, and they would be 
pouring out their lives to God. And they were bawling. Tears were streaming down their face as they were crying out to God about the things that were going on in their life. Why? Because there was nobody else that could change their life. There was nobody who could change their situation except God. You know, we get in, in, in our lives, sometimes we just get in a situation. Maybe you're in some credit card debt. Or maybe, maybe there's something going on with something else in your life. And there's nowhere else to turn to but God. And you've got to come to the altar. You've got to come to that point that you've got to get down and say, God, I need the awe and wonder of you in my life today to change something. And this is what happened with these young people. They came. And so what we did, we realized, you pastor and I realized, hey, I don't, the youth pastor didn't have time to preach. Because we would go for a worship service for three hours. These are teenagers for three hours would be in the altars crying out to God and, and, and praying. Not just singing, but crying out to God. And what, would ha- what happened is we said, here, let's do, let's do this. Let's start the service with a sermon. And so I would get together. I would come about two hours before church service, and we would begin to pray. Me and the worship team, which were all youth. They were all younger than I was, and we began to pray with each other, and we began to pray over the service, and we say, God, and we, we would do crazy stuff. We would walk around the building, right, and we'd pray, God, everybody who comes in this building tonight, every young person who comes in this building tonight, Lord, we want to see you touch their lives, and they would come in. We went from a youth group of about five people to about 50 young people on a Saturday night. We're coming in to the house of God, coming in to a place. There was more young people in this church than there were adults, but they were coming coming in and they were crying out to God. And we would go for three hours. We had to shut it down because we had to clean and then take people home and have church the next morning. But you want to know the sad thing about it when we talk about ritual? There were people in the church, including that pastor of that church, that did not like what was going on because he wanted to do it. Hey, this is the way we've always done it on Sunday morning. We want this happening. We want that happening. And he shut it down. He shut it down. He made it so difficult for the youth pastor to be able to do anything. He had to shut the whole thing down. And you know what those kids said? The one thing that gets me through the week is Saturday night. And it's not because, listen, I was not, I I was still learning the piano. Man, I could barely play three or four chords back then. I mean, I just, I, I barely could play at all, even at 18 years old. I mean, I've got a lot of music in me, but there were still things I was learning. But it wasn't because we had great worship music. It's what, Chris Tomlin wasn't there leading our worship, okay, folks? You know? It was just me. We didn't have David Crowder up on the other side. It was just me. But God, when God come, and he would begin to move, and we had a piano, and we had a, and a, we had a set of drums. The, you pastor the drummer. I was a piano. That's what we had. We didn't have a guitar. We didn't have a bass. We didn't have nothing else. But the kids would come, and they, would, and they said, we live. We live for Saturday night. Now I'll say, those kids did not want to go to church on Sunday morning. Why? Because of the ritual of it all. Because there was no awe. There was no wonder in this service. But we would tell them, no, you need to be at church on Sunday morning. We're going to support the church. We're not going to do this on our own. And it's a sad thing that was tore down. But that's the thing. That's the Christianity that this guy's talking about, that Donald Miller is talking about, the Christianity that sucks the life out of you instead of inserts the life in you. And that's what, what the Christianity that we want to live in. Now let's get to some scripture. You know I like a lot of scripture, but I don't have too much this morning, so I won't keep you any, anywhere longer than it's going to take, okay? All right, nobody got that, so we'll keep on going. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. It says, Then after doing all those things, I will pour out my Spirit upon all people, 
Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. I will cause wonders in the heavens and on earth, blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun will become dark. Let me change this, the screens there for you. Sorry about that. I will cause wonders in the heavens and the earth, blood and fire, columns of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn to blood red before that great and terrible day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For some on Mount Zion in Jerusalem will escape, just as the Lord has said. These will be among the survivors whom the Lord has called. Now, this is Joel. This is the prophet Joel. And we're fixing to read another point of Scripture here in Acts chapter 2. And in this, in this Scripture, Joel says, when the last days comes, the Holy Spirit is going to pour out His Spirit on all people. And the the literal translation is all flesh. He says all people. He didn't say some people. He didn't say a little bit of people. He says all people. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 14 through 21, we're going to see the fulfillment, the beginning of this fulfillment of this promise. This is Peter. Remember Peter? Remember he's the guy who who said he didn't know Jesus. He's the guy who who denied Christ three times. He's the guy who went fishing after Jesus was raised from the dead because he thought he needed a job fishing instead of doing what what Jesus had called him to do. But but what remember what Peter what was said to Peter? Three times Jesus said to him. He says, "If you love me, I want you to feed my lambs. If you love me, I want you to tend my sheep. If you love me, I want you to Feed my sheep. If you want more on that, go back and look on our, our website. You can hear that, that sermon from a few weeks ago. But he's, so here's Peter. They've went, they've listened to the Lord. Jesus has ascended into heaven, and they go into Jerusalem, and they tarry for the promise of the Father, the promise that Joel prophesied over uh, 850, almost 900 years before. Okay? So this is not something that just happened, but over almost 900 years before, this happened in, in the book of Acts. And here's Peter. He comes out. He has, he has been baptized in the Holy Spirit. He says, then Peter stepped forward with the 11 other apostles and shouted to the crowd, listen carefully, all you fellow Jews, residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you are uh, seeing was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel when he said, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. So here he's saying, he, he's just, what he's doing is he's reading and repeating the same scripture that Joel uh, had prophesied, the, the prophecy of Joel right there. He's reading that same scripture. And what did he say? In the last days. And here's the thing that I want you to understand. In the last days is still continuing because it's not over yet. It's not over yet. The last, we are living 
in the last days. Can I say something to you? That Jesus will return. The scripture says he will return for a bride that, is, that has no spot or blemish. Why? Because the blood of Jesus has washed the bride spotless. No spot or blemish. He will return for that bride. It could be any moment, any day. It could be right now. now let me ask you something. Let me say something to you. I hope that you know Jesus because if you don't, you'll be sitting in these seats by yourself. I'm just going to tell you that right now. That'll be a little freaky. All right, but here's a deal is in the last days, he will pour out his spirit on all people, on all people. Do you think that you are all people? Yes, you are all people. All of you are. Everybody has this opportunity. Not only do we have the opportunity for salvation, which is a free gift given to us by the Lord, it's free. Let me tell you something you ever you ever click on something on, on, on Facebook or something, and it says, free, $50. <laughs> like, woo! <laughs> click on that, and then you find out it's all a scam. You know, they just want to send you some magazine or something, you know. Let me send you, let's send you a magazine and pay for this, that, and the other. Wait a minute, that's going to cost me 100 bucks to get 50 I don't think so. But it's free. The promise of the Father is the same thing. It's free. It's available to everyone today because we are living in the last days. Now, here's something I want us to understand before we go much deeper into this, is that it says all people. There is no one that it is not for. He said, what did he say? He goes, that in the last days I will pour my spirit on all people, your sons and daughters. Doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter. 13, 14, 8, 9. Five, it doesn't matter. Let me tell you something, God will pour. It doesn't matter if you're a girl or you're a boy. You know, there's this, there's, there has been some ritualistic things going on in churches where there's, there's this idea that women aren't good enough to speak. Women aren't good enough to lead. Let me tell you something. We got some powerful women in our church that are leading great ministries. And our church, we believe in that. We believe that the Lord is wanting to use women in the ministry too, and girls too. And let me tell you something. You know, there may be questions sometimes, you know, why we have, who we have on the platform because two of them are my daughters, but it's because of this, because I, not because they're my daughters, but because they're willing to study and to learn how to do these things, and they're willing to worship the Lord, and I don't care what the age is, and I don't care about your children either. I don't care what their age is. They can do great things for God, because he will pour out his spirit on your sons and daughters, and they will, this is what's crazy, they will prophesy. He didn't say they'll just go do something great. It says they will prophesy, and I could give you story after story after story of young people who have prophesied over people, who have spoken into their lives things that God has given them, but you got to believe in the last days that he will pour out his spirit on all people. So he says, on your sons and daughters. Then he says, your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Now you got to understand the society that they lived in that day, right? The society that they lived in, the older you were, and if you were a man, the more clout that you had, the more, uh, the more ability to get things that you wanted. Why? And, and it was a respect thing. And it was something that they did. But he's saying, listen, the Lord is no respecter of persons when it comes to the Holy Spirit. He wants all people to be empowered with the Holy Spirit to do the work of the ministry. Now, let me, let me tell you something here. Let me, let me back up just a second. 
And I want to say something. We talked about the role of the pastor a few weeks ago and what the pastor's role is. Let, 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 me, let me tie that in right here. He wants to empower the people in the church for ministry, not the pastor. See, there's this idea that the pastor does all the ministry and the people come in and they listen and, and, and they do these. No, let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. He wants to empower you into ministry. I'm here. I'm here. What did he sell Peter? I'm here to feed the lambs. I'm here to tend the sheep. I'm here to feed the sheep. That's my job. And if you look in the scriptures, you will see where the apostles said, hey, we've got to appoint some other people here to do some other things because we need to be focusing on feeding the flock and making sure that they're ready to go. So when you sit in that chair and you go, man, I just don't know if I'm good enough. Let me tell you, when you are endued with power from on high, the, the scripture says, my life first, Acts chapter one, verse eight, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come on you to be witnesses that you will receive power to do ministry. That's what that means. Every one of you. And some of you go, well, you know, I'm a good Christian. Why do I need it anymore? Well, let me tell you something. I'm a big NASCAR fan. And when you, when you put a, a NASCAR uh, car on the track, it's going to burn a lot of fuel. When you're going 200 miles an hour, you're going to burn a lot of fuel. But let me tell you something. If you don't put the right kind of fuel in there, you may go around the track, but you ain't going to go 200 miles an hour. Why? Because there's special formulated fuel for those kind of engines. So the same thing that goes in your four-cylinder car outside, you don't want to put in what NASCAR's putting in their car because you might not have an engine when you get home after a while, okay? It's a little too much power. But let me tell you something. God gives you the power that you need through the Holy Spirit if you're willing to receive it. If you're willing to say, in the last days. See, it's not a question of, am I going to do something stupid or crazy? The question is, am I going to do something for God? Am I going to have the power to do everything that he needs me to do? That's the question. And we, we, we see this. We see this so much. Now, in Numbers chapter 11, verse 16 through 17, here, I want to tell you this story. Now, if you remember Moses, Moses is, he was the first pastor. He had about a million and a half to three million congregation, right? That's about somewhere around in that amount of people were, were alive uh, and Jews at the time. And so his father-in-law Jethro, and I, no, I'm not, I'm not talking about the Beverly Hillbillies, okay? His father-in-law's name was Jethro. Jethro come to him and told him, hey, you, you need to appoint some people. Well, then the Lord said to Moses here in Numbers, he says, I gather before you, Seven, before me, 70 men who are recognized as elders and leaders of Israel, bring them to the tabernacle to stand there with you. I will come down and talk to you there. I will take some of the spirit that is upon you. I will put the spirit upon them also. They will bear the burden of the people along with you, so you will not have to carry it alone. All right. Now I want you to jump on over to Numbers eleven twenty four through 29. So just slide your finger down the page or scroll up if you're on your phone. So Moses went out and reported the Lord's word to the people. He gathered the 70 elders and stationed them around the tabernacle. And the Lord came down in a cloud and spoke to Moses. Then he gave the 70 elders the same spirit that was upon Moses. And when the spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. But this never happened 
again. Two men, Eldad and Medad, had stayed behind the camp. They were listed among the elders, but they had not gone out to the tabernacle, yet the Spirit rested upon them as well, so they prophesied there in the camp. And a young man ran and reported to Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. Joshua, son of Nun, who had been Moses' assistant since he was young, protested. He says, Master, make them stop. But Moses replied, are you jealous for my sake? I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them all. So I want to take you back. If you look through the Old Testament, this is what is so important about the last days. If you go to the Old Testament, the spirit of God was still here and moving. The spirit of God was still moving and he moved upon these people and they prophesied, but you notice it said it never happened again. Why? Because there was at this time, The Holy Spirit had not been poured out on all people. That's why you go through and you see the prophets and you see Moses. You see all these people who have have this authority in the Lord and people like King David that have this authority in the Lord. Why? Because it hadn't been poured out on all people. Until Jesus came and died on the cross, it hadn't been poured out on all people. Because when you look at the end of Acts chapter 2 there that we were just talking about, what it said is, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. See, it's coupled together here. You have salvation, right? You have salvation, then you have the Holy Spirit. You have two total different things going on here. You have salvation, and then you're endued with power on high. See, the the apostles already knew who Jesus was, but the Lord says, I'm going to give you a power that's beyond what you could imagine. I'm going to give you the ability beyond what you can imagine. The thing is, it's not going to be on just you. It's for all people. And and remember, when they got up that day and Peter spoke that day, it was on the day of Pentecost, and there were thousands of people that were there. 3,000 got saved, but there were thousands of people there, and there is estimated around 1,000 languages and dialects that were spoken that day out there. But God ministered to them, and they went out from that place. They went out, and they began to minister, and they became the ministry. Why? Because Acts chapter 1 verse 8 just came into play. Why? Because Joel chapter 2 verse 28 just came into play. In the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And when we're talking about ministry, here's here's the thing. We've got a great testimony that we're fixing to have here. When I say that it is you, you are the ministers. I am a minister up here. I am someone who's here, but you are the ministers It's because when you have the the Holy Spirit inside of you and you're listening, then you can do and be effective. So I'm going to ask Connie to come up here at this point, and she's going to tell you a great testimony of yesterday. And for those of you who don't know Connie, she's in charge of our prayer walk. Come on up here, Connie. She's in charge of our prayer walk. She's really kind of in charge of prayer, period. I mean, this woman can pray now, okay? And and don't don't ask me. I mean, she'll she'll pray for something and it happens, and I'm just like, whatever. Sometimes she prays for things, I'm like, I think this is a little crazy, and then it happens. I'm like, I don't know why I doubt it, okay? But she's got a great testimony. And I want you to listen to this because what I want you to say, because she is baptized in the Holy Spirit. She was baptized in the Holy Spirit at a young age, but she is allowing God to move in her and give her power to be a witness beyond what you could even imagine. So, Connie, give us this great testimony. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm going to surprise him just a tiny bit because I'm going to go back to last Sunday night, okay? We were here at the prayer meeting, and it always makes me a little nervous because he, he always says, well, I know if somebody goes down and it's the Spirit or not. And I'm like, Lord, I don't want to go down if it's not you. (laughs) So anyway, we had been praying, and all of a sudden the Lord spoke to me, and he said, you've come into your destiny. 
And I was just like, whoa. And I just sat down on the floor because I couldn't stand up anymore. And, you know, it's like when God speaks to you, sometimes it just, it just knocks you down, you know. And so yesterday um, we went to the park and I want to backtrack one more time and then I'll get to the point. When I was going to bed last night, I wrote in my journal, this was the best day of my life. Because yesterday we went on the prayer walk and, you know, I came in here and I was going to give like a little short little teaching, a little encouragement before we went out to the park. And I was like, Lord, you know, what is it you want me to share? And I just didn't feel like I had a lot. I just, and I felt like the word said, just, just tell them what's gone on in your life this week. And, and what had gone on in my life was just disappointments with people and learning how to forgive in the moment. Just forgive as I go. Because people are going to disappoint us. I've disappointed people. I disappoint people all the time. So the only answer to that, the only solution, is to walk by the Spirit. So that God is moving through me, and you guys aren't getting too disappointed with me because you're seeing the Holy Spirit flowing through me. So anyway, we went to the park, and I was just like, okay, um, Holy Spirit, just go with us. So the first person, the first group of young people we offered to pray for, um, they were like, no. And then one of the guys said, well, you know, that group up there in the pavilion, they just had somebody die. You need to go pray for them. And I was like, okay, okay, Lord Jesus, we will. And so, so you know, one of the group members said, are you going to crash the funeral? And I was like, well, no, no, we're just going to wait and see what the Holy Spirit says. So we're just walking up there, and I'm praying, and, and I'm like, okay, Lord, show me who. So he just directed my attention to this table with, um, with some men and ladies at it, and I just knew that they were the ones. So we walked up to them, and, and we said, we know you guys are hurting right now, and we'd just love to, we'd love to pray for you. And the thing is, the cool thing is, God set us up because Christy knew a family member of theirs. And we didn't know that when we walked up. But when they told us the person's name who died, she's like, oh, yeah, I, I know so-and-so that, that's related to him. And so God, God had, he had this. He had it. And so, and so we're talking to this table of people, and, and the man says, well, I'm the guy's brother, the one that died. I'm his brother, and he's his brother. And he said, our mom just left, and we had seen his mom leaving. She was crying and was pretty distraught. And he said, my brother was murdered a week ago Friday. And so I was like, okay, we're just going to pray. So we prayed. And, And, you know, in a moment like that, I mean, I didn't know the family. I didn't know the person who died. And so I just had to listen for the Holy Spirit to tell me what.
Okay, so so really, you know, guys, I just had to listen for the Holy Spirit because, you know, I don't know the details of this family. I don't know the details of this man's life. And I don't believe everybody that dies goes to heaven. I mean, I believe everybody's going to stand before God, but I don't believe everybody goes to heaven. But I just prayed the way it came to me. And and I prayed that 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 they were going to see this brother again, that he was in heaven. He had gone on before them and that God was going to heal their hearts. He was going to do whatever it took. If, if they needed a dream in the night season, if they needed a vision, whatever they needed for their hearts to be healed. Because this, this man was in heaven now. And they needed healing in their hearts to be able to, to, to go on. To run with that, to trust God, and to keep on moving. And after after we prayed, oh, and by the way, so people start kind of like gathering around and and wondering what we're doing with this with this table of people. And the the brother says, "Well, they're going to pray for us, guys." And so everybody in the pavilion stopped and listened. We crashed the funeral. But it wasn't us. It was the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit crashed that funeral. So anyway, um, when I was done praying, though, the guy looked at me and he said, our brother was on drugs for years. And he said a year ago, he came to the Lord. So God was speaking. God was there for them. And he moved through us. I mean, that's the most exciting thing. So when God said, you're coming into your destiny, it's powerful stuff, people, when you know you're right where God wants you. And when I was in that park yesterday, I knew that I was doing exactly what God's called me to do. And I've been praying for this for years. I've been praying God would do it in me because I knew he had a call in my life. And I just felt like I was always living below where he wanted me to live. And so the word I want to speak to you is destiny. Because God has a destiny for you and you're just on the cusp of it. You're just on the verge of it. He wants you in the destiny that he's called us called you to. Your destiny with him. He loves you. He's laid down his blood for you. He's given absolutely everything for you. There was no price too high for him to pay for you and you and you and me. And and I was a broken reed. I was a burning wick. And God delivered me. He loved me so much that he came to me personally through a multitude of people and and words and the scriptures and and dreams and the night season and whatever it was I needed that moment to know he was right there with me. And he loves us. He loves us. So right now, if any of you guys or needing him, just needing a touch from him. Just need a reminder that he really cares about you. 
I want you to come up here and we're going to pray for you. Because he loves you. I'll tell you one last story. <clears throat> when, we come, when it comes to the Holy Spirit moving in your life, working in your life, you know, number one, you have to allow it. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it is what she just said, it's what we just read, that all of this is contingent on salvation. It's all contingent on your life with the Lord. A, a pastor of a large church. It was growing and growing and growing, and so he, uh, he had some people that, some pastors that were underneath him. He had about five pastors that are underneath him, and this, this pastor, he had grown up around money. His dad was very wealthy, so people who had money just didn't, didn't impress him. It was no big deal to him. That's not what he was in the ministry for. Well, this this lady comes and says, I need a pastor to pray for me. I've got a, a situation. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him and says, this is an opportunity right here. So he goes in there before he brought the woman in and says, hey, we got this woman we're going to be praying for. And you're not going to believe how much she's worth. You're not going to believe how much she's worth. And he says he brought the woman in and man, two or three of those guys, boy, they were just all over her. Oh, how you doing? Here's my business. If you ever need prayer, you can call me, da 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 And so they prayed for her. When they got to the end of it and they got finished praying for her, they go, so, and she leaves, and well, what is she worth? And, she's, and he says, she's worth the blood of Jesus. Can I say, no matter who you are, you're worth the blood of Jesus, which is worth more than gold. It's worth more than silver. It's worth more than you could ever ask. So I just want you to know that this morning. Now, if you would just stand with us for, for, for a minute here, and if you would just bow your head, we're going to pray.